Welcome, dear listeners, to the third instalment of the AM Drive Time Show in the English series called Ramadan Around the World. For the Arabic series, tune in to the next episode with Abir for her series called Tufu Shuf. The following is a compilation of pre-recorded segments prepared especially for the month of Ramadan. First, we shall begin with a brief outline of one of the countries of the world. Accompanying this is an interview with a member from our ethnically diverse Muslim community in which they will share with us some information about their traditions from the beginning of the holy month of Ramadan up until the blessed occasion of Eid al-Fitr. Amid some beautiful chants that put us in the atmosphere of this time of the year, we also have some lovely poems layered with encouragement to properly utilize our limited and fleeting time this month. In our lineup, we also have a piece of dialogue that is rich with benefits and a series about the events from Islamic history that occurred during the holy month. We want to carry on with our text and win competition, so stay alert as we might ask the question at any point during the episode. However, be warned as the Ramadan text and win questions have a specific WhatsApp number separate from the Tuam FM WhatsApp number. This number will be mentioned alongside the question. And finally, we conclude this lineup with a short religious lesson. The AM Drive Time team would like to congratulate you on the advent of this blessed occasion and wishes you well during this month. We hope that you keep in touch with us during the upcoming Text and Win question and we hope to reconvene with you all for our live episodes after the month of Ramadan. Thank you, Allah. For the month of Ramadan. We are now beginning the core segment of our series in which we speak about Ramadan traditions across the world. First, let us introduce our chosen country for this episode. Today, we are speaking about Bosnia. And then we will hear a little bit about the experiences of a dear sister and how she commemorated Ramadan in Bosnia. Bosnia and Herzegovina is a Balkan country located in southeastern Europe on the coast of the Adriatic Sea. It borders Croatia, Serbia and Montenegro. Bosnia and Herzegovina are politically divided and are each ruled by a president. The population of Bosnia-Herzegovina was 3.271 million in 2021 and its capital, Sarajevo, had a population of over 275,000 in 2013. Bosnia is known to have exquisite scenery and mountainous topography in most regions, most notably the Dinaric Alps mountain range. The country is largely agrarian and about 50% of the land is used for livestock and crops such as fruit, wheat and cotton. The country also has significant forest coverage and a variety of fauna ranging from bears and wolves to falcons and even otters. There are known to be over 1,900 mosques in Bosnia and many are of Ottoman architecture. For instance, the Ferhat Pasha Mosque from the 16th century, underwent reconstruction in 2016 following its demolition in 1993. This mosque is located in Banja Luka and features a dome above the prayer area as well as three domes above the walkway 
and a 40-meter-tall minaret. Another mosque is the Emperor's Mosque, the oldest mosque in Sarajevo, dating back to the 15th century. Though it has been renovated over the centuries, and located behind the mosque is a cemetery. The Muslims of Bosnia are highly enthusiastic in their celebrations of this blessed month. The atmosphere during this month is palpable, warm and comforting even just to listen to. For this reason, we shall quickly transition to our interview with our dear sister from Bosnia, who will take us through her treasured memories of Ramadan in Sarajevo, Bosnia. Welcome to the special Ramadan segment, Ramadan Around the World, where some of our dear brothers and sisters from a variety of different countries and ethnic backgrounds tell us about the way they would commemorate the holy month in their home country. Today we are joined by Slajana. Hi Slajana. Hi. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And Slajana, where are you from? Uh, I come from Sarajevo, which is in Bosnia and Herzegovina. It's a capital of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Oh, mashallah. Beginning with our first question, how is Ramadan declared to the Muslim public in your country? Okay, so Sarajevo is situated uh, between the mountains. So up on the hill, we have a place where they put cannons. So at the beginning of Ramadan, they would just fire cannons and everyone in the city would hear it and mm. they would know it started. Subhanallah. How long would it go for? I'm not sure, maybe a few minutes, but because Sarajevo is quite a big city and I used to live quite far from that place, but we would still hear it. Wow. So, okay. yeah. That's amazing. Subhanallah. <laughs> What's really, really beautiful, like, you know, it's Maghrib time and then you would hear the Adhan and so many mosques there and, you know, it's just very, very beautiful, Allah. beautiful atmosphere. MashaAllah. That, I can imagine it, you know, if you <coughs> sit there and you picture it in your head, you can actually imagine. Yeah, I'm just you know. like thinking about it now and I'm just drawn back and, you know, before this interview I was thinking about it and got really, really emotional and... It's, it's beautiful. I never, never forget this yeah, feeling. It's amazing because it, you said the thing lasts for maybe a few minutes. Yeah. But it's one of those things that's so memorable about Ramadan in your home country. Yeah. That's amazing. So tell us more because I want to hear about the traditions and habits of Bosnians during Ramadan. What was the atmosphere like? So hard to explain with words, but I'll try. It is a feeling that unfortunately I haven't felt it here because... I don't know, there's this special scent of Ramadan. So when it starts, you feel peace and then everyone is so happy and peaceful and, you know, looking forward to this month. And, you know, there's so much communal involvement in it. So it's not only like family by family. So it's the whole neighborhood, the whole city, the whole community is in it. And from the first night all the way to the end, there's so much going on, like tarawih prayers, uh, lessons. In Bosnia, they do maulid. We call it maulid, but it's like they do it not only for the Prophet's birth. I mean, it's just the name of it. But they would do Madeya, Nasheed, recitation of the Quran. It's constant. So you can just imagine how that would feel like if it's like in the whole city. And the feeling, I can't, I can't explain it with words. But it's just something so amazing. And that scent of it, 
I don't know. That, that's something I can't explain mm. with words. Is it an actual scent that you're talking about? Yes, because, I don't know, everyone is happy. Everyone is, you know, praising Allah. Everyone is doing a lot of acts of worship. And Ramadan is something so special in our religion. And honestly, I, I could feel that uh, special merit of it. It's a testament to the fact that this nation really is blessed to yes. have Ramadan, the month that we fast. Yes. SubhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. So you mentioned that it's different here. The feeling of Ramadan is different here. But were you able to bring some things from Bosnia with you? Yes, there is. But it's different. Of course. It's different. But I mean... Community-wise, there's big community involvement. I think because Bosnia is a Muslim country and we have Adhan, you know, all the time for every five prayers. And there's mosque literally, if not every second, third street. No. Yeah, so you would hear the Adhan constantly. If we wake up in the morning, we used to wake up before I remember, and it was actually during winter and it would be snowing. So we look out through the window and... We see all these houses lit because we used to live in a building. Mm. So we were like, oh, my God, so many people fasting. They got up for school. And this is something that you don't see here. Yeah. So that community involvement throughout the day from the beginning towards the end because of the distance, because of scattering of community, that's something that I haven't experienced here. But, you know, taraweeh prayers and recitation of the Qur'an and uh, lessons, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. still, you know, present. I hope that when the listeners hear all of this, they become encouraged to bring the traditions from the Muslim countries here, revive them over here. You said there's a physical scent, there's an actual yes. scent yes, yes. That, you, that you smell when it comes to the atmosphere of Ramadan amongst the Muslim community. When it's really strong, you actually really feel it. And everyone feels it. Everyone feels it over there. I don't know, there's just this beautiful peace and calmness and you don't experience any tensions. I cannot recall in my memory anything bad happening, to be honest. All I can recall is beautiful things about it and it will touch everyone. So if we were to start with before the fasting day, when we talk about suhoor time, so what is it that you do to wake up for suhoor? Who do you wake up with? Who wakes you up? And what do you have as your sahur meal? I would usually wake up naturally by myself. Oh, wow. Uh, just before uh, Fajr time. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds a bit like, how is that possible? But we did not have alarm clocks back then. We did not have our mobile phones. Mm. I think it's just back to the atmosphere of Ramadan over yeah. there. Back then when I was back in Bosnia, it was during the winter time. Mm. So it would be pretty cold and it would be snowing. But I don't know, I would just wake up naturally. I would drink water. What we usually have for suhoor or what I used to have for suhoor, it would be something small. Mm. It wouldn't be too much. Maybe a date and we have this special bread. We call it somun. Yeah, that's part of suhoor and iftar. That's a must. So somun, we would have a bit of somun, maybe uh, uh, they call it here sour cream or some cheese. Okay. Yeah, and that would be it. Very simple. Nothing too, yeah, it's very, very simple. Mm. Nothing too much, not much cooking and that's just a personally. 
it would be me and my sister. Mm. So, yeah, and we would just wake up, subhanAllah, in Ramadan, this is what happens. And like I told you, we would get up and look out the window and we would see so many people, you know, they're having their lights on and, you know, so many people awake. It's nice looking at these people, knowing that you're all awake for the same exactly. thing, for the same reason. Exactly. It's so that, that brings connection yeah. and, and belonging and that, that sense of, you know, beauty and communal engagement as well. So, and it's beautiful. Did you find that you would get hungry or thirsty in the day after your meal? No. You wouldn't be thinking in of Basna, that. In <laughs> Basna, I, I honestly cannot recall that I felt hunger or oh, thirst. No, no. In Basna, <laughs> no. Here, it's a bit different. Yeah. But, yeah, I cannot recall being hungry and thirsty. And every Ramadan there was easy. Very, very easy. Wow. SubhanAllah. Did you fast long days? <clears throat> uh, no. It was winter when I was there. So, mm-hmm. no, over there, I haven't fasted summertime, only here in mm. Australia. And then proceeding to the iftar time of the first day of Ramadan, what are your traditions that are specific to the first day? be it uh, the people that you have over or the people that you visit on the first day or even the foods that are on the table? So just like I'm presuming everywhere else in any Muslim country, like family's got a very, very important role. In my city, where I used to live, it's a big city. It's a capital city. It's the biggest city in Bosnia. So every other city would be smaller and then villages are even smaller. Like everything is so close. Family is close. Yeah. Neighbours are very close. And over there, there's a lot of emphasis of neighbourhood mm-hmm. as well. So um, the first day of Ramadan would be visiting family. Mm-hmm. I had my grandma, so we would visit her. Yeah, she would prepare iftar mm-hmm. for us. And, you know, grandma's food is... <laughs> there's nothing like it. <laughs> the ones that know, know. <laughs> yes. If yes, you know, exactly, you know. Exactly. Subhanallah. Again, you know, it's what brings you even closer. And um, my grandma had a like really, really special role in my life. And I was very close to her. And her iftars were amazing. Her eids were amazing. And never forget that. And also, also... Um, her sister as well. We we used to visit my mom's auntie a lot. Yeah, so the same traditions, like just go there for iftar and family gets together and mm-hmm. it's just amazing. Amazing. And, yeah. Inshallah. And what about the foods? Ah, the foods. Okay. We kind of have a certain dishes that are must on for iftar. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a soup, main meal, which is meat. And then some carbs on the side, whether it's rice or pasta. Mm. Then we have this special dish called torpa, which is just melted cheese and butter and a bit of milk. (laughs) And it's like really liquid. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more liquid than solid. Um, Is that a dish or is it a side? It's like a side. It's like a side that you dip your salmon in Uh and eat. So that's something must. And obviously sweet. Coffee, coffee is a must. So, I mean, I'm guessing everywhere is the same, but experiencing it here, it was a bit different because the food doesn't taste the same. Like I said, the atmosphere is just different Mm. and the family contribution is a bit different for me personally. 
But other than that, yeah, they just we we need to have soup. That's a must. Um, meat dish, and mind you, I'm not a meat person, so I I would stay away from that. Oh, okay. um, yes, um, rice or pasta and sweet and topa and yeah, bread, salmon. I have to tell you this before Maghrib. If you walk down the streets, all you can smell is baking bread, baking <laughs> salmon, actually. And that's another special, special, special smell of Ramadan in my country. When you just walk down the streets and there's lines in front of bakeries, people gathering, preparing for iftar, it's it's just amazing. You have to see it. You have to experience it. But you really paint a picture. I I feel like I can envision it, and I hope that the listeners can also envision it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. There's quite a few Bosnians listening out there, and they're just... Drawn back to the olden times. Inshallah. Hopefully we can spark some nostalgia in the yes. Bosnian community. Yes. Because really these are these are beautiful treasured memories of yours. Inshallah. Yes. And I love hearing them. Thank you. Barakallahu fiki. So you were talking about some of the dishes, the main dishes, but I want to hear more about these the staple dishes that you always see on the table during Ramadan. Um, what are they and which one's your favorite? And uh, what does it consist of? Okay. Um... So we mentioned torpa, mm-hmm. the the cheese, uh, melted cheese with butter. Yes. Um, I do have a recipe for it. It's very, very simple. So that's a staple. And soup, I mentioned soup as well. And what it could be any soup? soup. There's a special Bosnian soup. It's called begova chorba. Mm. So I don't know if you, if you could relate it. So it would be like, you know, a bay or we call it beg, they're like wealthy people with high social status in Bosnia back in Ottoman Empire mm-hmm. uh, days. So they have this special soup and they name that after it. So okay. uh, you will find a lot of that for iftar. Mm. So every family would make that. Among other soups, but this one is like really quite special. What's in it? Okay, so it's made with... Um, Chicken meat, mm-hmm. uh, carrots, celery, and parsley, and also uh, okra, oh, bame. Okay. Yeah, okra, bame. Yes. Is that what you call it? Very similar. We call it bamya. Oh, okay. So it's very similar. Okay. So, but I just said English because, yeah. So rice, cream, and eggs, and lemon, and wow. salt. Yeah. All of this in so, a soup. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really strange, but yeah, so... It's it's well, very, very, yeah, but that's what it is. What's it called again? Uh, begova chorba. Uh-huh. Yeah. What else? What other dishes? Okay, something I didn't mention before, um, and you would think, oh, my God, Bosnian, how could they forget this? Um, and I'll just say it because it's my favorite, and I would eat it any time, and that's pita. Pita. Mm. So it's like, I don't know, I think Turks call it burek. But for burek, we say the one with meat. So it's just a pastry that is handmade. We roll it out and we roll it really, really thin. And then we stuff it with uh, all different types of stuffing. Mm -hmm. So we had meat one and we call it burek. So only meat is burek. Then we can stuff it with potato, cheese, uh, spinach and cheese. 
So, and potato and spinach and cheese is my favorite. Wow. So we just roll out the dough, stuff it, cook it in the oven. And once it's done, we take it out of the oven. We put a bit of salty and uh, oily water on top and that's it. It's ready. But it's a, it's a long preparation for the dough. Oh, so it is a tradition. And, um, I mean, there's all different versions of it as well. So I'm not exaggerating when I say I was salivating as you were talking. <laughs> Barakallahu. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So moving from the savory to the sweet. So what desserts do you eat during Ramadan? Oh, sweets. Um, different ones. We have something like... Similar to to Lebanese culture, you know how you have um, rizab halib. Yes. I remember my grandma used to make it a lot, and uh, it was always in her fridge. Either that, rizab halib, custard, and we also make it with semolina as well. Mm. So it's like a semolina custard. It's very thick. Are these all cold desserts? Yes. Nice. For me, Bosnians, and, and just looking at myself, I'm a very simple person, so we would not decorate too much with nuts. Mm. But that's probably personally. But yeah, that's one type of dessert. Then we have like the pastry dessert, like baklava. Mm -hmm. And then they would have so many different versions of baklava, like different shapes. I mean, stuffing the same, tastes the same, but they, the way they would design it and arrange it, they... Tastes the same but look different. I think there are so many variations of baklava out there. I yes. think genuinely I've heard of so many different countries that eat baklava. But Bosnian baklava, it's completely different to Turkish or, or Lebanese. And it's completely. probably it's probably better as well, isn't it? I don't know, depending <laughs> on, on what you like. Uh, but it's very moist. It's packed with syrup. Um, and we only really use walnuts. Oh. In it. Yes. Interesting. So no, no pistachio? No, we don't use pistachio. Oh. Traditionally, we only use walnuts. That's going to make a lot of Lebanese people upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we could uh, access walnuts very easily mm. because they grow everywhere in Bosnia. But pistachios, no, probably only in Herzegovina, but I have not seen it. Wow. Actually, wh while I was there, I have not seen it. Oh. Oh, I need to tell you about this special, my favorite dessert that I've had in Bosnia and I mean it's so relatable to you it's um halewe you know the sesame Me? paste yeah that I can remember from when I was a very young child and we had this special like a sweet shop in the old part of the city and they they used to make it there and you could not get it anywhere else so it would be handmade and like, again, no nuts in it. It was just plain sesame oh. paste. But it was something I never forget in my life. And I was like really, really young when I first tried it. And it was my favorite. And that's also present. Wow, Yeah, so we eat that as well. And then we have like uh, all different types of like biscuits. One I have to s mention, it's called hurmashtse. Uh, so they're moistened, they're very soft, and they're, they're packed with syrup. Yeah, that's very traditional as well. So if we were to talk about Eid now, after Ramadan, after all this month of fasting, what is it that you eat, whether it's sweet or savory, on the day of Eid? 
Okay, so from what I can recall, we would go to my grandma's house in the morning mm-hmm. and she would prepare like big sofra for us. Again, soup, meat dishes, which would be probably roasted chicken. I have to ask, and is the word sofra in your language? Yeah, yes, we have a lot of Arabic wow. uh, origin words as well. Um, so we do use sofra and the traditional way, and if you go to Bosna, go to the old, uh, go to Sarajevo, old city, and probably in villages, they would still use sofra. Sofra is that's what we use for putting the dinner on the table. Wow. Yeah, so we do have a lot of Arabic origin words as well that we use. Yeah, so we would have like maybe not so traditional chicken roast with potatoes, pita. Mm-hmm. That's a definite. I remember my grandma used to make, you know how you have uh, shushbarak? Yes. Yes. So we have something very, very similar. So it's meat in a dough. Yes. Um, we boil it first and then we put it in the oven and bake it. Mm. And then we um, put the topping of cream, garlic, milk mixed together. And then we just put all, all over it and bake it. Yeah, so and that would be very special as well yeah. for Eid. And for sweet, again, baklava is the main. That's the main dish for Eid. Inshallah. Sweet. Thank you so much for sharing um, everything. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was so happy. It was so beautiful to hear about the, the atmosphere. It's, it's nice to hear about the atmosphere of Ramadan in a Muslim country. And uh, like I said, I hope that we can bring some of the traditions from our home countries here, yes. inshallah. Yes. Ramazanam doshao Što mi lice više nije Kao nekad blije do Ozareno nasmijano Ramazanam doshao Dignity, 
to some dialogue between two sisters whose conversation touches on a variety of benefits and reminders surrounding the month of Ramadan. مرحبا ديما شهر مبارك عليك اهلا ومرحبا ايا وعليك ان شاء الله So tell me how have you been coping with the fasting day I hope you're not finding much difficulty Alhamdulillah, I will say starting the month when you're not accustomed to fasting may lead you to find some difficulty. But abstinence requires patience, so we should expect to exercise plenty of it this month. Wise words. I think patience is extremely underrated these days, because very few people are surprised when someone loses their temper over mild inconveniences. But it is an obligation of the heart to be patient. Yes, absolutely. And patience is the way of the prophets and the righteous believers. And they are our role models in everything that we do. It's true. Among these prophets are the five that have the highest status and had the most patience. All of them were messengers and they were known as Ulul Azm. They are Prophets Muhammad, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa and Nuh alayhimu salatu wassalam. Our messenger, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, showed immense patience throughout his life despite being ridiculed and harmed. And we know that Prophet Muhammad وسلم, told us that the ones who experience the most hardships in this life are the prophets. Exactly, and despite their hardships, the prophets would not be angered over worldly matters. Rather, in a hadith narrated by Ibn Hibban, the Prophet advise that the strength of a person is not in one's ability to knock down others. Rather, it is in one's ability to restrain oneself in times of anger. Subhanallah. And you know the feeling that one experiences when they are so angry? Sometimes a person may feel the urge to act out and yell or show strength over others, but such volatility may lead one to commit sins. 
unfortunately, you find that even as some people are fasting, they may say, don't talk to me, I'm fasting, and shun other people because of how easily they lose their patience. May Allah grant us patience. Ameen. Did you know that in fact it's one of the three kinds of obligatory patience to be patient in performing the obligatory fasting of Ramadan? Three kinds of patience? Yes, three kinds of patience. The first is what we already mentioned, the patience that one must exercise in performing the obligations, even when the person feels lazy. Of course. Laziness is not an excuse and a person should not allow their inclinations to overwhelm them when their goal is paradise. Exactly. And on the topic of subduing our inclinations, the second type of patience is patience in avoiding what Allah made unlawful, that is, to practice restraint from committing sins, and this is to be done in private and in public. That's right. Allah sees us, nothing is hidden from his knowledge, and we will be held accountable for the deeds that we acquire. So we must fear Allah, whether we are in the eyes of the public or alone in the darkness. Yes, without a doubt. So what is the final type of patience? The final type is related to patience in the face of the hardships of this world. Any affliction that one faces, whether it's financial hardship, ailment and illness, stress, sadness, depression, loss, ridicule, all the things that cause distress and bother a person. If one were to exercise patience with their heart set on seeking the acceptance of Allah, then one would be rewarded for fulfilling an obligation of the heart. How would a person properly exercise this type of patience? In the face of a calamity, the person should avoid phrases or behaviours that indicate a lack of patience. One should especially avoid acting in a way that reflects objection to the will of Allah. We seek refuge with Allah from such evil. Ameen. This life is so short. And we already know that we should expect hardships. So what is a little bit of patience in this fleeting life when you are working for everlasting enjoyment where you will never experience another hardship again? I will leave you with some words that someone once said. اصبر لكل مصيبة وتجلدي واعلم بأن المرأة غير مخلدي Be patient with every hardship and persevere and know that you will not dwell forever here. Ramadan always brings to you peace, happiness, and prosperity. Now comes the quiz portion of today's episode. Over the holy month of Ramadan, the AM Drive Time team has prepared some quiz questions. Some are in Arabic and will be asked on the episodes of Tulfu Shuf by Habir, and others are in English, and I will ask them during my episodes of Ramadan Around the World. To submit your answers, please send them through the exclusive WhatsApp number that we are using for the month of Ramadan, which is 0491-733-448. That's 0491-733-448. The winners will be selected at the end of Ramadan, so ensure that you are following along and answering all our text and win questions. Are you ready? Here is today's question. 
Paradise has eight doors. One of these doors is specifically for the believers who fasted frequently in this life to enter through. What is the name of this door? Once again, Paradise has eight doors. One of these doors is specifically for the believers who fasted frequently in this life to enter through. What is the name of this door? If you have an answer, please send it to our exclusive WhatsApp number that we are using for the month of Ramadan, which is 0491-733-448. That's 0491-733-448. Make sure to include your first name, last name and suburb, as we always do with our text and win questions. Ramadan Mubarak from the AM Drive Time team. Events in Ramadan from Islamic history. The birth of Imam Jafar al-Sadiq. On the eve of the eighth day of the month of Ramadan, in the year 380 after the Hijrah, Imam Jafar was born. Imam Jafar is the son of Muhammad al-Baqir, who is the son of Ali, Zainul Abidin, who is the son of Al-Hussein, the beloved grandson of the Prophet He was given the nickname As-Sadiq, the truthful, and hence is more commonly referred to as Jafar As-Sadiq. Imam Jafar al-Sadiq is amongst the best of the tabi'een, the followers of the Prophet's companions, and was very knowledgeable. He was the teacher of two prominent scholars, Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik. Imam Jafar al-Sadiq was unwavering in his adherence to the religion and would not stand idly and silently against falsehood. Among the most famous of his sayings is the following statement of Tawheed. مَنْ زَعَمَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ فِي شَيْءٍ أَوْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ أَوْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَقَدْ أَشْرَكْ إِذْ لَوْ كَانَ فِي شَيْءٍ لَكَانَ مَحْصُورًا وَلَوْ كَانَ عَلَى شَيْءٍ لَكَانَ مَحْمُولًا وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ شَيْءٍ لَكَانَ مُحْدَثًا أَيْ مَخْلُوقًا This statement means whoever claims that Allah is in something or from something or on something has associated a partner with Allah, because if he was in something, then he would be confined, and if he was on something, then he would be carried, and if he was from something, then he would be something that has a beginning. Abu Nu'aym narrated in his book Al-Hilya that Imam Ja'far said to Imam Sufyan al-Thawri, إِذَا أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ بِنِعْمَةٍ فَأَحْبَبْتَ بَقَاءَهَا وَدَوَامَهَا If Allah blessed you with an endowment and you would like to maintain it, then thank him frequently, which is to say, 
الحمد لله وإذا استبطأت الرزق فأكثر من الاستغفار And if you find that your sustenance has decreased Then ask Allah for forgiveness frequently Which is to say أستغفر الله يا سفيان إذا ألم بك هم من ظالم فأكثر من لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله فإنها مفتاح الفرج وكنز من كنوز الجنة O Sufyan, if you find that you are experiencing hardship from the harm committed towards you by other people then say لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله as it is the key to relief from one's hardships and is a treasure from among the treasures of paradise. The meaning of the statement لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله is no one can evade sinning except by Allah's protection and no one has the strength to obey Allah except with his help and Allah knows best. times a day do you want and do you ever tell yourself no declining what you're inclined to do or are your inhibitions that low do you know the true meaning of practicing patience keep these words engraved in your heart it is to train your nafs to bear hardships like the pleasures from which it must depart. Remember that what Islam commands is what is best for you, and abstinence during this blessed month has benefits vast and true. Through your hunger you feed your soul, remembering the blessings you have been given. The rewards of your good deeds are multiplied, so for this month, remain patient and driven. Welcome to the third religious benefits segment for the series Ramadan around the world. Today, we will be talking about the integrals and invalidators of fasting. The one who comes to perform an act of worship must first learn about the way in which it is performed in order for their act of worship to be valid. This includes its conditions, integrals and invalidators. Among the best acts of worship is fasting the month of Ramadan. It is also one of the most important matters of Islam, as we know from the hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, which indicates that Islam is based on five important matters. The Prophet counted fasting during the month of Ramadan as one of them. The integrals of fasting are two. Number one, to make the intention each night to fast the following day of Ramadan. Making the intention at night to fast the following day of Ramadan means to have the intention in one's heart to fast during the night preceding the fasting day, that is, after the sunset and before the dawn of the following day. At some point during that time, the person must make the intention to fast the following day. This must be done each night for the following day of fasting. As related by At-Tirmidhi, An-Nasai, and others, the Prophet ﷺ said, لا صيام لمن لم يبيت النية. This means, 
fasting would be invalid if one does not establish the intention at night. The intention is in the heart and does not have to be uttered with the tongue. The intention for fasting a day of Ramadan must take place during the night preceding that day. However, the intention for fasting and optional fasting is extended until Dhuhr time. If the menstruation or the postpartum bleeding of a woman stops at night, then she must intend to fast the following day. The purificatory bath, ghusl, is not required for her to start fasting. Rather, it is a condition for the prayer. Number two, to abstain during the period of time from the true dawn until the sunset, from inserting any substance into the head or the body cavity through an open inlet. One's pure, tahir, saliva, while still inside the mouth, is excluded. One must also abstain from sexual intercourse, inducing vomit and apostasy. The fasting person must abstain from taking into their body cavity any substance from an open inlet, whether this substance is food, drink or otherwise. A person's fasting is invalidated if they intentionally insert such a substance during the fasting day while remembering they are fasting and knowing that it is unlawful to do so. The open inlets of the body are the mouth, nose, anus, vagina and the like. Any substance that is absorbed by the pores of the skin does not invalidate the fast because the pores of the skin are not considered to be an open inlet to the body cavity. The Muslim must abstain at all times from committing apostasy, that is, committing any type of blasphemy which takes them out of Islam. Apostasy invalidates fasting, even if one returns to Islam immediately afterwards. After returning to Islam, one must abstain from eating and other invalidators of fasting during the whole day. Moreover, one must make up the invalidated day of fasting after Ramadan. Finally, we ask Allah, the one who does not resemble the creations, to facilitate for us fasting the holy month of Ramadan and to benefit us with the blessings of this holy month. Ameen. And Allah knows best.